Hey everyone, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the DIY Small Business Podcast. Welcome back, Happy New Year! I'm really excited to bring you a beautiful interview episode with RC Woodmas today. We talked about the digital agency called Career that they founded, and about what it means to run a feminist anti-capitalist business in these times in this world. And as you know, that's one of my favorite things to talk about. So yeah, I really hope you enjoy that, and I hope that you are like me, also excited about many more episodes with business owners who do things differently this year. Two small announcements for me. Um, on the 20th this month, I'm running a free workshop on um, creating a business roadmap for 2020 that I'm super excited about. A big group of people has already come together. We'll do some brainstorming. I'll share some tools and some Excel sheets that you can copy because my Excel sheets, let me tell you, they're good. They're pastel color coordinated. <laughs> um, I'm going to be running free workshops all year again. I did that in 2018 and then last year I kind of needed a little bit of a break but I really feel re-energized um, to work with bigger groups of people again and so yeah stay tuned for that. Subscribe to my newsletter if you want to hear about all of them and for now you can sign up for the one that's coming up on the 20th through the link in my profile. Um, there's also a few more days of enrollment for the DIY business community. It is opening quarterly now, so the next time will be April. And I've changed things a little bit. I am enrolling people with a one-on-one uh, -on -one session with me now so that we can really map out what you need from this program, what your next steps are, and what the year ahead looks like for you and your business. Um, so there's two more spots and they cost $300 or three payments of $100, which includes a year of membership in the community, including the course, um, monthly group coaching, monthly themed workshops, all kinds of good stuff. So you can also check that out in the link in the profile. Okay, have a really beautiful day and enjoy listening. <laughs> Hello everyone, I am so excited to start another interview on a giggle as you know that has become a little bit of a tradition and I think it's working really well, um, at least for myself. Anyway, my friends, I'm excited to talk to Asi Woodland. Oh no! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know what? I was totally in. Um, I was thinking a lot about Woodland. I'm so sorry. That's so cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I will totally leave this in the recording if that's okay for you. And I will let you introduce yourself in a second. Anyway, but they are starting a beautiful company called Queer It. And um, I've only got to know a little bit of their work in the last few weeks and already feel. Um, such a sense of solidarity and excitement about what they're doing in the world because as you know obviously if you're listening to this I'm also a tech person who's navigating the wild world of the internet in some way um, trying to make a living that feels good and fun and that's what we're here to talk about today. Asi shares similar values with me around um, yeah trading with other people in a really kind transparent way And I'm so excited to hear more about that. So thank you so, so much for being here. And I'm sorry that I already <laughs> called you Woodland. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Oh Yeah, it's good to be here. I, uh, I'm not against being called Woodland, actually. It's a first for me, and it makes <laughs> me feel like elvish or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, I'm so surprised that that's a first. I feel like that makes so much sense. All the best people are Woodland people. 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, (laughs) thank you so much for your flexibility. I would love to start with the interview by asking you where you are in the world and what nature is like around you. Because I always feel like, you know, we're, we're talking across time and space and it's nice for people to get a chance to kind of visualize um, how this interview came to be. Yeah, so I'm located in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, um, which is actually traditionally called Jojake. So it's the land of um, the, it's Ganyan Geaka is the name of the land. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, I don't know if this is really a thing in other parts of the world. I hope it is, but we definitely um, try to kind of acknowledge whose land we're on because I'm a settler um, on land of indigenous folks um, in this area. And so um, it's really important to me to try as best I can to um, build relationships with indigenous people um, in ways that feel good for them and, you know, give back, maybe even give reparations, you know, through my business. Um, because yeah, we're on, we're on this land that's being cared for by others. And um, my ancestors took it violently, you know, mm-hmm. um, not my direct ancestors, but, you know, in terms of being a white settler, my ancestors did. So um, yeah, that's where I'm living. And the nature around, well, right now um, it's November and that means we're going into winter. So there's snow on the ground right now, but it's not too cold. Usually it gets cold like in January. And um, there are a lot of trees. It's kind of a hilly um, region. I if you look um, around the city, you can see um, like small mountains, like the beginning of mountain ranges, um, kind of from a distance. And there's no leaves on the trees and it's all gray today. And so it feels very cozy. We were talking before we started recording about how we like winter (laughs) and being cozy and being able to be inside with no pressure to go outside and have a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That sounds so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, so we set the scene now in a way. I would love to hear a little bit more about the work that you're doing um, and the background that you have with that, which is, uh, I already know, really interesting, but the others don't know. So yeah, yeah. tell us as much as you would like to share. Yeah, so um, my project's name is Queer It, and it's queer, feminist, anti-capitalist, uh, a digital agency. And so um, basically, I used to be a freelancer. So I used to build websites for clients. And um, that was great. Uh, It helped me get out of my nine to five. Um, You know, it helped me have more flexibility in a time when I was really struggling with my mental health and dealing with a lot of past trauma. Um, And then it just it became uh, kind of lonely. And unmanageable like it just felt like a lot I was having to turn down clients I just felt really really alone and so and I was also really passionate and still am really passionate about um, social justice and um, trying to get uh, kind of resources into queer and trans communities and other underrepresented communities so um, I decided that I would expand my practice into an agency Um, So now we have almost 200 queer and trans people and other underrepresented people on our roster. 
um, who we contract on a regular basis to do work for clients that come our way. And um, it's still just me running the business, <laughs> but um, hopefully in the next year or two, that'll change. Um, but I'm not alone anymore in that there, there are other people working on projects. We can support each other. Um, and I'm constantly trying to like uh, raise prices in a way that's ethical and for the reason, not the reason of necessarily making more profit, um, but for the reason of being able to displace more financial um, resources into underrepresented communities. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is so beautiful. Um, yeah, oh, I was just sitting here listening, having um, my heart feel all warm and fuzzy inside. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I didn't, I didn't mention that we do um, like what we actually do. So digital agency is like, it's hard because, you know, I used to say web design and development, but we do so much more than that. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it's hard sometimes to define what a project or what a business actually does <laughs> mm-hmm. in a way that's succinct because I think as especially as people that have branched out um, from kind of the tradi- traditional employment and are trying to leverage our own skills to you know be able to live a bit of a different kind of lifestyle and maybe start something new we do a lot like we're often multi-talented and we don't want to limit ourselves by naming our business something that <laughs> that like is too specific right so that's a struggle for me for sure mm-hmm. um, but we do web design development obviously um and then we also have people on the roster that do seo copywriting graphic design um you know like workflows like helping people with their workflow um in their business um social media um really there's there's a lot of talent on the mm-hmm. roster so it's uh it's good to note that too. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. And I really love the the group energy of it, the way that you have set this up. I feel it feels very non-competitive and warm and inviting. And I think just any experience where we work alongside each other, really supporting each other, understanding each each other's strengths and differences and just coming from a place of wanting to see each other win is so healing in itself, right? Yeah, definitely. That's definitely something that um, I wanted to get rid of Mm -hmm. (laughs) or not that it existed really ever, but um, that I didn't want in my business um, because that's part of one, that's one of the negative sort of things that comes from capitalism and being an anti-capitalist business, mm-hmm. try, at least trying to undermine capitalism in the business. Um, I try to kind of really locate those ways in which um, capitalism can be harmful and try to mitigate those as much as possible. So mm-hmm. for example, sometimes people think that Queer It is just a directory. So it's just a, a place where clients can go in and search for, for the people that they want to work with. Um, but that would actually mean that folks are um, not necessarily matched with the right person and they have to compete with each other to get gigs. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know, to create a real community and be able to like provide, provide support, real support, which, which means that we need to be paid for that support also. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it is really a very nice group of people. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, cool. And I would also love to hear a little bit more about um, like what kind of things or people, organizations or ideas are you excited about working around at the moment? Oh, um, well, um, I'm not sure how much I should say in terms of um, which clients are like, you know, in the pipeline, like about to sign a contract. <laughs> but, um, but I really, I love it when organizations or people or whoever, when clients come to us and they come to us because of our values, um, because they resonate with the queer feminist anti-capitalist values that we have. Um, and actually we're, we're very lucky because, um, if you visit us online, um, at our website, or you can find us on social media at queer it co, um, all one word, um, you can check us out and our branding is very strong, <laughs> but it puts the queer feminist anti-capitalist thing really to the fore. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our clients find us and want to work with us because of that, which I just, I feel so lucky that um, kind of to have found this, what feels like a magic formula to find all the best people on the internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, we get, we get all sorts of folks. We get um, individual sort of artists um, or entrepreneurs. Um, lawyer, we've done a few lawyers and journalists um, their websites or their, um, social media. Um, we get a lot of nonprofits, um, interested in working with us. So people that serve underrepresented communities. And so, um, their mission, um, is not only is, is to serve those communities, but then that tra also translates into them wanting to, um, hire, um, people from those communities to, mm -hmm. to work on their messaging, which I think is so important. Um, And so we get, yeah, a lot of nonprofits that work with queer folks. Um, we did the website for the Quebec Lesbian Network, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's really fantastic. Um, just the, I, I was approaching, as I was figuring out our messaging for Queer It, um, I definitely had a sense of sort of scarcity. Like if I am too specific about what we do and who we serve, that it'll limit the amount of people that will want to work with us. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that because our messaging is so strong and we actually stand for something that, um, that, that helps us be able to work with, with the folks that we want to work with. And you know what, there's plenty, there, there's plenty to go around. There mm -hmm. are plenty of folks that resonate with our message. And so I'm just glad that I was able to have the courage to put that out there um, and test and see how the response would be. And the response has been just really overwhelming. Um, but at the same time, it's not only a message, it's also a practice. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's not just marketing. So that helps as well. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing. That makes so much sense. And I love, I love your branding. And I also think it's strong. And it reminds me of like how I think about gender also as three dimensional, you know, like can be a lot and it can sometimes be very little. And I think that's true for, for branding as well. And, and I also really resonate with what you said about having a strong message and standing for something. I think that in the beginning, owning that and finding one's niche is really such a courageous thing because I know for myself, I'm in my fifth year now, 
Mm. And the first three years, I was just saying yes to everything all the time. And then sometimes getting resentful or overwhelmed. And I just couldn't, like, I just needed a lot of time to sink into trusting that being myself on the internet and being very clear about the kind of work that I want to do is safe and that I'll still have enough work and that that's okay. And, you know, like that some people will, will like it and pass it on. And I think that's the other thing as well. Like I'm seeing so much that word of mouth is just becoming so, so important and or isn't just becoming this, you know, but anyway, I left social media in the summer and I think I was really asking myself where are my clients actually coming from and what got me excited in my work. And it's, it's usually recommendations, isn't it? And having a strong brand, I think really helps people recognize and remember you. And if you have a very clear message that speaks specifically to a group of people, then they're so likely to pass your details on and that feels really great. So yeah, absolutely. Being yourself on the internet. <laughs> it's funny. I actually also personally, I left Facebook um, and I had like something like 3000 friends, which in my world is quite a few mm-hmm. um, for someone that's not a celebrity, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but I definitely, I left Facebook and uh, it, I did experience a dry spell in the business for a while because I was using that to get um, to get gigs and to stay top of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary. It's so scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately it wasn't sustainable for me to continue to do that. Right. Yeah. It wasn't healthy for me to be on Facebook. So mm-hmm. if I'm not healthy, my business can't continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit more also about lesbians who tech? For sure. Yeah. I actually, so disclaimer, I don't work with Lesbians Who Tech anymore, but um, it's a wonderful organization. And I did work with them for, for several years, for almost three years. Um, so Lesbians Who Tech, it's a global network um, of queer women and genderqueer folks. Um, and it's, uh, they put on, um, uh, like conferences, um, and they also have uh, local chapters. So if you wanted to start a local chapter of Lesbians Who Tech wherever you are, um, you can contact them and they'll support you in being able to set that up. And um, my work with Lesbians Who Tech, uh, I was in a on a really amazing team. Um, I was a co-director with an amazing woman um, named Rachel Jean-Pierre. And uh, I, de- I encourage you to look her up also. She's doing incredible work. She is an advocate for women and lesbians um, in tech, um, especially around Montreal. So she's awesome. And uh, the rest of the team. And so we, we grew. Um, at one point, we were the largest, strongest uh, chapter in the global network, which is really amazing. And uh, it's, you know, it was a way for me to be able to connect my uh, queer identity um, with my work and connect to other people who were looking to do more than just work. So they wanted to make a real difference with the work they were doing in tech. And so it's, it's just a really amazing network to meet people. Um, and whether it's lesbians who, who tech or if you're starting your own thing or you just go to meetups, um, it's just, it was really um, 
healing, I think, to be able to connect with people who believed the same things that I did, um, or at least wanted to make a difference in their own way. It just helped to build up like hope and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, connection in a world where it's easy to just sit behind your computer um, and not, you know, in person, meeting people in person is really lovely. And it can sometimes be scary for me and I know for others, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I put myself out there for three years and, you know, with specifically with Lesbians Who Tech and it just, it was amazing. It's amazing to build an in-person community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Um, I'm really excited to get into that too in Scotland. I only moved here in the summer and I had been living on and off in Brighton before that for eight years. And I recognize now respectively that I was never invested enough to really build a local network beyond my close friendships there because it was so expensive to live there and (coughs) I always knew I might not be able to stay as long as I wanted to and now that I'm in Scotland and everything feels possible and I'm like yay (laughs) I might leave my bed this is so exciting (laughs) it is exciting (laughs) yes um I would love to know a little bit more also about your vision for career it um what do you would like to see happen in 2020 and like what is your long-term plan ah yes (laughs) (laughs) um queer it um it's funny because so a big theme in my sort of currently what I'm passionate about is capitalism and anti-capitalism and I've struggled a lot um in the last let's say you know for three to four years with um, wanting to make money and not like wanting to be a billionaire, but even just wanting to make enough money to not only live, you know, pay my rent, buy groceries, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe take uh, some time off or even if the Kate would go somewhere once in a while. You wild one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and then also to save for retirement or, or like, you know, gasp, uh, give to like people's trans crowd funds and like give money to like people that need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so I've really struggled because I definitely have, I mentioned before, I have like a scarcity mindset when it comes to resources and it takes a lot of work to kind of undo that. So, um, I've started to try, really try to have big goals um, for the business. And I think it helps that I'm not, you know, when the business grows, the amount of money that we can pass on to underrepresented groups also grows. And I'm a part of those underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. So I deserve that too. Right. And, um, and so that's like my caveat, but, um, basically we just yesterday reached our revenue goal for 2019. Yay. Yay, which was um, $30,000 Canadian. So mm-hmm. that's not very much, but our business was, um, that's not very much for us, um, but our business was really treading water because I had a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I kind of, I tried to just set a really reasonable goal so that I wouldn't burn out. Oh, um, good. Yeah. And then our goals for 20, our goal for 2020 is massive because I, we just got a government grant 
um, to pay for my salary this year. So I'll be able to work full time on the business, which is really great Mm -hmm. uh, without worrying about, um, you know, without worrying (laughs) about about depending on the business, um, in order to, uh, pay my bills. And so our revenue goal for 2020 is $200,000. I know that's, that's exciting because if we are, if we manage to hit that, um, by the end of the year, the business will be able to pay a basic salary for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's a big part of, you know, what, what our kind of short, shorter term goals are in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, think about, so percentage wise, I'm sharing all these numbers because I think it, it's helpful when business owners actually talk about numbers and the amount of money they're making. Yes. We need to normalize that sort of transparency. You know, that's mm-hmm. something about capitalism that, you know, to, to kind of give the impression that you're like richer than you are or to hide things or to, you know, to be afraid to say the numbers because someone might judge me is something that I'm trying to like combat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, we give twenty uh, 75% of what the client pays to, um, our collaborators or contractors on the roster. So whatever 75%, uh, $150,000 is 75% of 200,000. And so that'll be $150,000 that we're paying out to queer and trans folks and other underrepresented folks, um, in 2020, which is so exciting to me. It's so exciting. And we give 5% of that as reparations to various indigenous folks and organizations in Montreal. Um, And so whatever the 5% is, I really don't know. (laughs) 10,000 is it? No, is it? I don't know. Anyway, so whatever the amount is um, of 5% of 200,000 is the amount Mm -hmm. that we'll be able to give in reparations. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's like some of the income goals Um, in terms of business structure and operations and all of that. um, My goal is to be able to um, give work to anyone on the roster um, who wants to be working at any given time Mm -hmm. um, by the end of the year. So right now we have 200, almost 200 people on the roster, but we don't have enough um, Uh, clients to actually give everyone work, Mm -hmm. which I've been very clear about to the people on the roster, but I just really wish that I could give them work. (laughs) So um, that's another goal that I have personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also actively exploring different business structures and business models that um, are the kind of the most likely to, um, I guess, like I'm exploring how to innovate in my business structure. Mm -hmm. Um, to get as far as as far from capitalism as I can. Yeah. And that's scary because I like being in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I like being in control. And a lot of what capitalism does is it puts one person or like one small group of people in control of, uh, you know, everything for everyone else. Right. And uh, like the 1% versus the 99% or the, you know, bourgeoisie versus the proletariat or like Mm -hmm. the worker, you know, and so um, it's, it's scary for me. It is. Um, Mm -hmm. We all kind of have, well, I'm going to say we all, I think most folks in this day and age that are probably listening to this podcast um, are, we, we've internalized 
certain elements of capitalism because it's all we've ever known. Mm-hmm. And uh, perfectionism and wanting to be in control is one way that I've, you know, I've been able to survive so far in capitalism, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but it's time for me to start trying to kind of unravel that and undo that and um, place more faith and more trust in the collective, in the communities that I'm working with um, and trust that there will be enough for me, trust that, that I will be cared for. Um, and so, yeah, subverting capitalism is not for the weak. It really <laughs> <is>. <laughs> but I really want to, I really, it's like, maybe I need like therapy. I mean, I'm I'm in therapy, (laughs) but like business therapy or so capitalism therapy or something, because it's really, I think that'll be a lot of the work that I do on kind of a personal level in my business this year. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. To all of this. Thank you so much for sharing. I want to circle back on a few things. Um, first of all, I love that you shared some of your numbers and I totally agree that that's really important. We need to unsh- unshame that and we also need to just kind of talk about it so that people get a chance to educate themselves from different angles. Because I think when I speak to people and support them around their pricing, there's so much to untangle. I always find that actually we don't need to learn new stuff. We just need to unlearn the old stuff and we need practical examples of how this can work and we need to remember that there's just so much more that goes into an hourly rate for example than what you think you should make an hour compared to someone who's in employment but I think that's such a big stumbling block isn't it and then um the other piece I wanted to circle back to is um the that yeah it is so so scary I um I really feel that too and I would for example really love to work in a collective in theory um but when I've been confronted in my life with opportunities to really um organize my work in a collective for other people I've always felt some hesitation and some fear coming up and sometimes it's been beautiful and you know I I really do love collaborating with people and I intend to do more and more of that work um because it is so expensive to challenge and unlearn those things. And I also know that I'm really not there yet to place the responsibility or um, the responsibility rather for my livelihood into the care of a group and to trust that dynamic because it is so complex and we all have so little experience really with other modules, but I'm just also really excited to see more and more people reaching for it and talking about it. So that's great. Yeah, that's so real. It's, it's all the things that I really think that the personal, um, isn't just personal. Um, you know, obviously the personal is political Mm -hmm. and all that. We know that phrase, but, um, I think that, um, business, even just the concept of a business being separate from, uh, community, Mm-hmm. Um, or a, somehow outside of community, I think is a fallacy, you know, like, um, for example, um, you know, in, in the me too era, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. um, hashtag me too. It's, uh, it's interesting to see how companies are dealing with things that are in the end, even if they happened at work, they're very, very personal to the people involved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm really interested in exploring that as well. And, uh, how sort of a, a transformative 
restorative justice process might be applied to um, dealing with the personal in a business context, right? Because everyone has done harm, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is, has done things that make them untrustworthy, right? Mm -hmm. Or perceived, they could be perceived to be untrustworthy. And uh, I'm a survivor of, of, you know, sexual assault and trauma and, you know, and so coming from that, and I'm sure I've done harm to others as well. And I explore that and, you know, I have my own ways of kind of seeking accountability and making amends and all of that. But um, it's in a, in a business setting, what happens when that comes up, you know, Um, do we just fire the person and make someone else deal with the problem? You know, um, is isolation of this, of, of a perpetrator of harm really the way to go, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, anyway, it's a really interesting thing that I'm thinking about because I'm writing my employee handbook and, you know, there's been, I, I know that some people on the roster have done harm to others, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, we all have, but I know sort of specific examples and how do I protect as a business owner, how do I protect um, victims of this or en- enable victims of people that have caused harm to feel safe um, without completely cutting the, the um, perpetrators of harm off from their community, mm-hmm. which with queer and trans people, community is so important, you know? Mm-hmm. And so queer it can do m- more and your business too. Like anybody who has a business can, can set examples for the larger corporations, you know, um, for how to, how to deal with issues of capitalism, issues of harm, like really big economic and social issues. Um, and we can set an example and I'm just so inspired by small business owners and their capability to actually test out these things Mm -hmm. and set examples for larger companies. I really think that's the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, me too. Thank you for being brave and touching on that complexity. Mm-hmm. I am very excited to see that unfolding too. And I also don't have any answers, but I think it's so important to ask the questions and yeah, keep at it. So well done. That's great. Yeah, sitting in discomfort. <laughs> it's very difficult sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, and talking about discomfort, what is your relationship to social media like at the moment? Uh, and or how are you kind of getting people excited or bringing contracts in? Yeah. Um, well, my it's funny. I have a real love-hate relationship with social media personally. And right now I manage our social media account for Queer It. And uh, I'm always like, oh, Facebook is terrible. I should just like delete us off of Facebook. Um, But right now, um, my kind of approach to social media is that if people are there that want to work with us, our, our, the work that we're doing, um, and the connection that that is made on social media, um, for us right now is more important than um, kind of being, um, I don't know, than leaving the social media because it doesn't match up with our principles. So Mm -hmm. I've decided to prioritize that connection that happens on social media. But I also know that like, you know, I know that Yarrow, you're not on social media. And I also think that that's a completely valid and like effective way of dealing with what's going on in the big kind of social media corporations right now. But um, yeah, I mean, we, I, I use recur post 
um, a tool that um, helps me build up a library of um, of posts so I don't have to write new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it schedules things out. So um, it's called Recur Post. Um, and so that's, I, I spend maybe an hour or two um, loading up kind of like the, the recur post feed um, mm-hmm. in advance and then just make sure that things are, I usually go in about once a day to engage with folks that have commented or liked or messaged me or whatever. Um, it takes a lot of time. Like social media is not cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's free, but it's not cheap, you know? <laughs> That is such a good point. I always hear people say, but it's free marketing. And I'm like, "Mm, my friend, it does cost you a lot of time and energy. That might not be true. And like, I love that you pour so much or really make the connection a priority because I think that is, that's just the most meaningful way of being with what is, right? I think people are there, they're looking for each other. And if you have the bandwidth to really be present and be intentional with how you spend your time then that's so beautiful I just didn't I just couldn't do it yeah <laughs> that's totally valid yeah there have been times I mean I'm I'm a human being you know I'm not <laughs> I'm not always consistent sometimes I won't fill up my recur post with my posts and then there's no posts for a while but you know what that's okay like that is it has to be okay mm-hmm. because um if I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm more and more just really about transparency in my business. And if you see, you know, I don't want people to think that I am one person that I'm actually a team of 10 people that's keeping up this absolutely perfect, you know, um, like, um, profile on social media, you know, like I do everything. I do the sales, I hire people, I interview people, I make connections, I do the social media. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so it's okay if an Instagram post doesn't go out, you know, if yeah. I do something, it's positive. If I don't do something, it's completely neutral. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that approach. I hope people can really hear that and take that in. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to share before we go? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> anything else that I want to share? Uh, you know, I, I do want to share um, that I think, I think for your listeners, um, for anyone listening to this right now, that whatever you're doing is enough. And um, you know, that, that if you, you know, (laughs) we self-criticize so much. I know I do. I really criticize myself. And the more I'm in business, the more I realize that, um, so my self-criticism often manifests in the form of procrastination. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like, I can't do this, or it's been so long. If I respond to this email, they'll, they'll realize how long it's been and, you know, and I'm a failure and all of this, but, um, that's just in my head. And I actually am starting to truly internalize that that it's okay. Like it's okay to not be perfect and it's okay um, to be only one person. You don't have to be a super person. You can Mm -hmm. just be you. 
and um, transparency and communication with clients or with whoever, you know, um, sooner rather than later, <laughs> you know, to say, oh, I'm, I'm going through something with my mental health. I won't be able to respond to this for a month is better than just sitting with it and avoiding it and thinking about it every day anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it happens and that's okay. Like, it's really okay to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know so many people listening will really appreciate hearing that. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I also would love to hear where people can find you and how they can work with you. Absolutely. So our website is queerit.co. So not com, <laughs> but co, queerit.co. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, you can find, of course, links to social media and all of that. Um, on social media, if you just search Queerit, you'll find us. Um, and our handle everywhere is queeritco. Um, and on our website, you'll find all sorts of lovely things, um, including a more extensive land acknowledgement. Um, and you can find... Um, our some basic pricing um you can find some profiles of the people that we're working with right now um you can find our values and you can click on any of the buttons on our website and it'll bring you to be able to book a call with me um and so that i would love to speak to you and if you are someone that's looking for more contracts to do as a freelance anything <laughs> a freelance web developer designer wordpress space social media we're always looking for really good folks um, that are underrepresented in some way and so if you go to our website you will also find links to um, start your app the application process to join our roster and mm-hmm. you can be anywhere in the world if, you, if you'd like to join us that's no problem um yeah i think that's it <laughs> yeah thank you so much we're, we're especially active on Instagram. So okay. if you go on Instagram, that's a really good place to find us. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much for your time and everything that you shared, for the work that you're doing. And yeah, for the wisdom, I'm really excited to share this and really appreciate talking to you. Thank you thank so much. Piero, thank you for having me and for your work and your beautiful energy and spirit. Thank you. <laughs>